Hey, we are starting the story this morning. If you haven't been here before, uh, the story is a, a journey that we're taking together um, for most of the rest of the year. This is a study that takes us from Genesis through Revelation. And I guess my heart for this is that we would understand the big story of God and who God is and, and how he wrote this book for us so that we would understand him and understand his story. Now, the way this is going to work is this morning we're talking about creation, the beginning of life as we know it. And so this week uh, you will take your book and you will read chapter 1, um, reviewing this first week that we preach about, the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And then Sunday, next Sunday, you'll come and, and in your adult Bible fellowships, you will discuss the things that God showed you in his word throughout the week. Now, this is a great time, you know, if you as, as a family have struggled with, with doing devotions together. Um, dads, if you've struggled with leading your family in, in doing devotion, this is a great great time for you to jump in and to begin that process again because there's curriculum out there for children there's uh from 9 to 12 there's a book there's a youth book and there's there's a a book for children um that nine years and younger so this is a great time to every night at the dinner table or sometime during your day take 10 minutes to read through the story In teaching your children about who God is and and how they fit into his story. Now, if you don't like to read, first of all, shame on you. um, Because reading is the only way that we will learn. The only way you learn who God is, is by reading his story. But there there is an alternative that isn't as good. You can go online to Amazon and you can get an audio version of this. Or you can just have your, your wife read it to you at night. Dan, don't do that. Okay. Or you can have her record it for you and you take it along to work during the day. But there are other options. But, but I really want to encourage you, look, if you're going to understand who God is and what his plan is for your life, the only way you're going to do it is by reading his word. Now, I would encourage you, this book, it doesn't have the verse breaks in it. It, it, it doesn't have the, the book breaks, like tell you when you're going from Genesis to Exodus. So what I would encourage you to do is, is, along with this, have your Bible with you and be reading and understanding where you're at um, in the book. Now, there is, we've got this, this plan for you that tells you what chapters you're reading from the Bible in the first chapter of the book because this first chapter today covers the first 11 chapters of Genesis which covers about 2,000 years. You know, the first 11 chapters of Genesis covers as much time as, as from, from Abraham through the rest of the Bible. So there is a lot happening in Genesis chapters 1 through 11 that we have to understand, that we have to get right. Because if I don't get this right, then I don't get the rest of the Bible right. Now I remember years ago when the Lord of the Rings first came out, I had a friend of mine that, that read the book and was all excited about this movie coming out. And so, so I decided, well, we'll go watch it with him and, and, and I'm not much, that's... Those kind of movies just aren't my thing. And so, 
maybe five minutes into it, man, I was sound asleep. I missed, I missed everything in the first movie of The Lord of the Rings. And then the second one came out, and, and I thought, well, I'll go watch this one. And, and I went and watched, and I walked away scratching my head, not understanding who Frodo was and why he had this ring and, and where in the world he was going with that thing. You know, none of it made sense to me. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so Genesis is the exact same way. If you don't get the first piece of of the Bible in Genesis chapters 1 through 11, the rest of the Bible is going to be a struggle for you. Because you're not going to understand God's heart for his people. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, if you would turn with me, that's the first book of the Bible, it's the first verse of the Bible. And it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So in the very first chapter, in the very first book, in the very first verse of the Bible, we're introduced to the main character of this story. In the beginning was God. So the opening verse introduces us to the main character. The main character is God. And the book of Genesis tells us all about God. It, it tells us that, that this God that was in the beginning, that always has been, was the creator of all things. He was the one who had a plan and a purpose for mankind. And that plan involved having, being in a loving relationship with, with those he created. He desired for, for man to trust him and, and to love him. And as creator of all things, this God that, that we're introduced to ha, is absolutely sovereign, has authority over everything that exists. And he exercises his authority throughout all of history demonstrating that sovereignty. And we see this played out throughout these first 11 chapters of Genesis as we, as we see him in creation and, and we will see him in the fall and, and we will see him in the flood demonstrating his sovereignty and, and the fall of the Tower of Babel. And dispersing the nations. He is God. He is sovereign. The main character in this story is sovereign. He does as he wills. But as we look at the opening two chapters of Genesis. We we look at this scene of God beginning to create. And creation, we have to understand, creation is not this impersonal accident, but it is the creative purpose of a personal God. And we look at the opening scene and we see on day one, he separates the light from the darkness. 
And it was good. And on day two, he separates the sky from the water. And there's now a sky and there is water. And, and then, he's, then he creates land. And, and so there's water and land. There's, there's a sky. There's light. And there is darkness. And each time he says, it was good. Then on days four and five, he begins to fill these, this, this place that he's created. He puts the sun and the moon in the sky and, and he speaks billions and billions of stars into existence. As we learned last week, not, there's not a thousand and twenty-six stars. I think there's, there's two billion galaxies that each have three billion stars. Is that right, Keith? Close. All right, maybe I should have asked you, taken a test. And then he begins, he puts the birds in the air and he puts the fish in the sea and, and, and creation begins to come together and it is beautiful. And each time God said, it was good. Day six, he creates the animals that run on the earth and, and he looks at it and he creates and now... We're almost done. It's almost complete. There's just one thing that isn't there yet. And so God, it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, after he had created everything else, he says, now let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over all the creatures. And so it says, God created man in his own image. In his image, he created him male and female. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and rule over it. And in verse 31, now remember, God had said, he said, whenever he saw his creation, what he had done, he said, it was good. God saw what he had made and it was good. But then in verse 31, after he had created man, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. See, after he creates mankind, after he created us, he said, it was very good. All the beauty of his creation was secondary to us. Like we were like the trophy in his creation. We were created in his image. We were created like him. You see, the truth is that God's supreme passion was to be with us. To have relationship with us. And Genesis chapters 1 and 2 help us to answer the question of our existence. Why do I exist? Where do I come from? And what is my reason for living? Genesis chapter 1 and 2 answer that question. I exist because God created me. And I was created so that I could worship him, so that I could be with him. 
So there's no longer any question of why I exist. There's no longer a question of where I come from. You see, if we, if we believe that, that man is just an accident, that the world just one day out of some bizarre explosion happened and, and there was an earth and a sun and planets and stars that just so happened to, to, to be thrown out there and stay in the place that they were. And the sun just happened to be just far enough away from the earth so they would heat it and not too hot but not too cold. If those things just happened by accident... And a man just happened to evolve from a blob of nothing, then we really have no purpose for living because we just come from a blob. And there's really no reason for our existence. But because we have been created by a loving, creative God, we have purpose, we have meaning. And so we have to understand Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to recognize that purpose and that meaning for our lives. We exist for His glory. So, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see this beautiful relationship with God and man. And it says that, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. And they had this wonderful relationship. But then we see in Genesis chapter 3, something changes, something, dr- something drastic changes. Sin enters this perfect world that Adam and Eve were living in. You see, when God created us, he created us in such a way. He created Adam and Eve. They were created with the freedom and the power to choose. So Adam and Eve could choose whether or not to love God. They could choose whether or not to obey God, to love God. Because God doesn't force us to love him. He desires for us to love him. And in Genesis chapter 2, we were introduced to two trees that were in the middle of the garden. In chapter, in verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then in verse 15, God gave this command. He said, He said, And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So they had this beautiful garden that God had placed them in. They had all these these lush, wonderful trees that were filled with beautiful fruit. And they could eat from all of them except for this one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they're presented with a choice. We can do what what our creator has, has commanded us to do and we can enjoy everything he allows us to enjoy. Or we can decide to eat from that tree that he has commanded us to stay away from. 
And in Genesis chapter 3, we are introduced to the serpent. Now, the serpent is, is Satan who has somehow come to this garden after his fall from heaven. And it says in Genesis 1, or 3 verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he came to the woman, and we see this on the picture. We see him slithering down. He says, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we must not eat from, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say that we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. We must not even touch it or we will die. Now, God didn't say that they can't touch it. He just said, if you eat from it, you will die. So Eve here is presented with a choice. Obey God, obey her creator, the one who loves her and has walked with her and had fellowship with her, or she can choose to rebel and trust the one created being that has come to her. And we all know the story. Eve ate from the tree. So Adam and Eve's disobedience resulted in separation from God. You see, we have to understand Genesis chapter 3 because that answers the question of where evil came from of why, and of why evil exists. So, here's the picture. Here's Adam and Eve. They had lived in, in perfect fellowship with God for, for this time. And nobody knows sure how long it was. Was it two weeks? Was it two years? How long? But, but they have, had walked in perfect fellowship with him. Then in Genesis 3 verse 8 it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Why did Adam and Eve hide from their friend? Why did they hide from their creator? Because they felt guilt for the very first time. Because they had, they had gone against what their creator had asked them to do. They made a wrong choice. And so... In comes God and, 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 you know, he's God. So he obviously knows where Adam and Eve are at. But he says, where are you? And then Adam says, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Again, God asks. And he knows the answer to this question. He says, who told you you were naked? Uh, you know, I would look at that and say, well, it's pretty obvious. I don't have any clothes on. And then God says, you've eaten from the tree, haven't you? You've done the one thing that I ask you not to do. You've eaten from the tree. You've disobeyed. What I commanded you not to do. 
Now, I don't know if God is, is at this point grieved. By what he has, what has transpired. And so he asks the question, he says, so who, oh, I'm sorry, the man said, you know, Adam is feeling guilty at this moment. And so right away he needs to make an excuse for why he chose to eat from the tree. He said, the woman put me here, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit. Basically what he said was, look God, you know that woman that you gave me? Well, if you wouldn't have given her to me, I wouldn't have eaten. It's all her fault. And I've always thought it was Eve's fault. If it wouldn't have been for Eve, then I wouldn't have had to do all these things in my life. Life would have been much easier. That's what Adam thought. It was her fault. It was Eve's fault. And so God turns to Eve and says, Eve, let me hear your side of the story. And she says, well, you know that serpent? It was the serpent that told me to eat from the tree. It was his fault that I ate from the tree. So nobody wanted to take the blame for what they had done. It was somebody else's fault. And how often do we, when we mess up, when we sin, do we blame somebody else? Our children at a very young age, when they're about one or two years old, learn to blame somebody else for the things they've done. It's always somebody else's fault. That began back in the garden. And so then in verse 14, God hands down the punishment for the disobedience. He punishes the serpent. He says, because you have done this, cursed you are above all livestock. He says, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her, your offspring and hers He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, I have to understand the question of evil, where it came from, and how it affects us today. And here in Genesis chapter 3, it explains that. The problem of the existence of evil in a world created by a holy and loving God has always been a question that has been debated. If God is so loving, how can evil be in the world? If God is sovereign and all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? The answer is found right here in Genesis chapter 3. Because man has been given the freedom to choose, evil exists. Now remember, Adam and Eve had the freedom and the power to choose. Adam and Eve existed in a perfect environment. They had everything they needed. They had every need met abundantly. They didn't inherit the sin nature like we have. 
And yet, they sinned. They chose wrong. And as a result of their sin, the world today suffers and will continue to suffer until Christ returns. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, the death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men. Let me read that again. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men, because all men sinned. So, what we understand from Genesis chapter 3 is that, that Adam and Eve's choice, their decision to sin, it changes everything. Sin changed everything. Because Adam and Eve chose a different vision than God's vision, sin became a part of their spiritual DNA. And they produced more sinners. You see, from from this point forward, every child that Adam and Eve bore was born into sin, was born imperfect, was born with this sin nature. And then Genesis chapter 4 through chapter 9 present sin and the sin nature and how it would destroy the human race. In Genesis chapter 4, we're introduced to Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's children. And, and, and we see, what do we see? The first murder. So Eve chose to eat from, from, she chose to disobey God. And because she chose to disobey, her children were impacted. And the generations after, and, and it, it began this snowball effect of sin becoming more and more Uh, destructive in the world and we'll see this throughout the rest of Genesis um, or through chapter 11 but but sin came into the world and we see our first murder when Cain killed his brother Abel see the choices that Adam and Eve made were now being felt by their children I love C.S. Lewis um, has this quote i just read a portion of it. He says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, of who you are, into something a little different than what it was before. In other words, every time I make a choice to do something, I'm in some way changed. You know, if I go to the store and, and, and my cashier gives me five extra dollars... She gives me the wrong change, and I choose to keep that and not be honest, a little something about me has changed. If I choose to make her aware of that and I give that back, I'm changed in a good way. But everything we do, every decision we make impacts us. It impacts our children. Moms and dads, every decision, every choice you make, right or wrong, impacts your children in some way. And I don't think at times we understand the, the, the seriousness of the decisions that we make, of how wrong decisions so greatly impact our children, and how right decisions will do the same thing. 
We see the example with Adam and Eve. But we're also, and as sin continues to spiral out of control, and the world becomes more and more and more wicked, it says in in Genesis that God looks down on the world and it says that he he was grieved that he had made mankind. And so God decides to do I'm going to do it over. I'm going to start over. And so we see the introduction of the great catastrophe. Because man had had sinned because, because sin was spiraling out of control. God chose. He said, I'm going to wipe the face of the earth clean. I'm starting over. I'm rebooting this thing. But as we see in Genesis... Um, chapter, chapter 4, chapter 6. We see the beginning of the great flood. In Genesis chapter 7, we see that continues. Genesis chapter 6 through 9 are the story of Noah and, and how God has wiped the earth completely clean of all mankind. You know, we, we talk about this. You know, whenever you see... Noah's arts, you know, there's always this picture of, of Noah and his family smiling and waving like they're in some parade or something. And, you know, everything looks all fluffy and the animals are all smiling and, and things just look good. But have you ever thought of this? This was maybe the single greatest destruction of mankind in history. A complete annihilation of human beings. I'm sure that Adam and Eve had friends, or I'm sure that, that Noah and his family had friends, had relatives that died in that flood. I mean, the flood was an awful, awful event that happened. So Noah's Ark Preschool is reminding people of this great catastrophe that happened in history. It was an awful thing, but it shows us the awfulness of sin and the extent to which God will go to wipe sin out. So God has, has, has wiped off mankind from the face of the earth other than Noah and his family. But the flood erased the wicked human race But it did not erase the sin nature from Noah and his family. Noah and his family still had sin nature in them. And as a result, we see not long after the... the, Well, it could have been a couple of years. I'm not sure how long. But after there's dry ground and and Noah and his family have built vineyards. and, And so one day Noah is drinking some juice and he gets drunk. And his son goes into his tent and, and he comes back out. And I don't know if he was making fun of Noah, but, but, but he's making fun of Noah. And then in Genesis nine twenty three, his other sons, it says, but, Je- but Shem and Japheth took the garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked backward and covered their father's nakedness. For their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. 
When Noah awoke from, from his wine and found out that his young, what his youngest son had done, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will, will he be to his brothers. And that's exactly what he becomes. The generations of Ham became slaves. So here we see this, a perfect world impacted by sin that changed everything for all of mankind. But in the midst of that, God still offers us a way back. And this is what we have to get. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you know, God created the world with this grand vision, which is the upper story of God. And you'll hear me talking throughout this about the upper story, God's grand vision for eternity, and how you and I fit into his lower story. How we're a part of God's greater plan. So God had this greater plan in mind, this grand vision for us in his world. And God's supreme passion, if you remember, was us, was you and me. And God gave us the freedom. He gave Adam and Eve the freedom to choose. Adam and Eve chose to, to sin, chose to disobey God. Because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sin was deposited permanently into the nature of Adam and Eve. And all those who would come after them would receive this deadly virus that separates us from a holy God. And we see God kicking Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And he set angels to guard it in order to keep them from the tree of life. Because if they could continue to eat from the tree of life, they would continue to live. And so God kept them out of the garden so that they wouldn't live forever. So that they wouldn't have access to the tree of life. So they would eventually die. And you know, as you think about that, you know, we think that is a very cruel thing that, that God would, would not allow them to continue to live. You know, when we see friends and we see family members dying, we think, God, how could this happen? You know, in this last week, this community was reminded that even young men, young women can die. And we think it's a terrible thing, but, but think about this. It's actually an act of God's grace to keep us from being able to sustain our life forever in this sinful state that we live in. See, man's choice resulted in separation from God. I believe it broke God's heart. But if we pay attention to the details in Genesis chapter 3, in this opening scene of God's story, we see that God has a plan 
for mankind, even in the opening act. He gives us a glimpse of a way back. You see, the rest of the story after chapter 11 of the entire Bible tells of a relentless pursuit of God and the extent to which he will go in order to get us back. The rest of the Bible is God's story of of, of bringing his people back into relationship with himself. Remember when Adam and Eve first became aware of their nakedness right after they sinned. And Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with what? Branches. They tried to cover themselves with leaves. Fig leaves, they tried to cover themselves, they tried to cover their own shame. Well, in Genesis 3.21, God takes away those fig leaves and covered Adam and Eve with the skin of an animal. It says, verse 3.21, it says, And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Now, that's very important. You see... When we live in sin, we try to cover ourselves. When we feel guilt, we try to cover that sin. We try to do it with hard work or or with busyness or doing good works, doing religious activity. We try to earn our own righteousness. But Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, "All, All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Isaiah was saying, we can't, we can't cover our own sin. We can't create our own righteousness. You see, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, already we see that for God to restore the vision of human beings... To restore us to himself would require the shedding of blood. You see, the fig leaves weren't enough. It required the shedding of blood for the skin of an animal to cover their sin. Now, if you remember, up to this point, you know, animals and people were friends. They got along. They were together. And I don't know, you know, some people believe that this may have been, been a lamb. That God took and, 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 and killed it and spilled its blood in order to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. From the very first glimpse in Genesis, we see sacrifice needing to be made for the sins of mankind. And in Genesis 3 verse 15, we see the prophecy. We see God already. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the, to the serpent, now speaking to Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Prophecy that God was sending someone to take care, to crush Satan's work that he had done in the garden. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, we have to get, we have to understand what's happening in Genesis we have to understand that, that we were created with a purpose. We were created to have relationship with God. And, and because man had, had the freedom to choose, they choose to sin. And therefore evil came into the world. And yet even as evil was coming into the world, God had a plan for us. That plan would include the shedding of the blood of an innocent victim for our sin. And that was Jesus Christ who died for us. And we see that back here in Genesis already. God preparing a way for us to be in relationship with him. And then the rest of the story is about how I fit. How God uses people in his story. How God desires to have relationship with each one of us. God desires relationship with you. If he wouldn't, he wouldn't have sent his son. He wouldn't have created us. He wouldn't have provided a way for us back to him if he didn't desire relationship. And what I'm excited about over these next um, next several months is just learning us together, understanding how we fit into God's grand story that will last for all of eternity. Stand with me. Father, Lord, I, say, I thank you, just praise you for, for how you have or how you from the beginning created this incredible universe. Everything in it. How you so intricately knit everything together. And in, in, in the middle of this creation. You placed us. You created us and you said it was very good. And Father, I, I pray that we would understand. We would understand your, your desire for relationship with us. We would understand that even though evil has come into the world, there is a way to, to have relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that every every person that sits here would understand how incredibly God loves them, how he created them, how he has a plan for their lives. And, and Lord, that, that as we dig into the word, that we would, you would just more clearly show us your plan for us and your love for us. And Lord, that our relationship with you would grow, um, would become alive, would become infectious. 
And Lord, through our walk with you, you would be honored and glorified. Father, today, just as we um, continue our fellowship over the meal that's been prepared, uh, I pray just, uh, Lord, a blessing on the food and on um, just our conversations uh, that, that through them, um, you would be honored and glorified, and it was, as we leave this place, our lives would glorify you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.